known as JF, and we are here at Winter is Here podcast, broadcasting from Fleet Bottom, supposedly. And I'm here with JK and DL, and we will explain that later. So, JK, what did you think of the first episode? I was just blown away. Premiere episode, season seven, cold open. You know when they open cold, it's going to be big. It's the twins. It's Walter Frey feast. Things go down. Poison. Cheap and ever safe. DL? Uh, yeah, I, I was happy with it. I thought there was a lot of fan service. Uh, it was really, it felt really, really short, even though it wasn't. I was kind of like, didn't really get into the meat of anything yet. It was just kind of reintroducing the characters, right? This is where this one is, and that's where that oh. one is. So we didn't really, you know, I wanted more, but it was good, you know? It did feel short, but then yeah. it's an hour-long episode. You're like, man, yeah. I want more. Give me more of this. And it's that was 60 solid minutes. It didn't feel short to me because another show has taught me to, like, instead of look for the next scene, kind of be in that scene, live in that moment. Yeah. And this show has so many details that it living in the moment actually made it seem longer to me than 60 minutes. Really? Yeah, like you have, well, the, once again, the code open, which uh, we'll, we'll get into in a minute. But yeah. then you had Arya meeting the uh, Lannister army and that whole kind of scene and John, wondering. Huh? Did you notice, John, in that very scene, there was a big cameo, John? Did you notice? <laughs> yeah. Big it's all over cameo. Twitter. How yeah, Sheeran has arrived. I don't really think that was necessary, but I mean, I guess when you're famous, it has that its perks. That was big fan service right there. <laughs> I don't know He's why. He's so that dreamy. He's beautiful. I'm glad Everybody, that I didn't yeah. realize it until after because it would have bothered me if I realized it in the moment. I actually didn't I realize it during. I say House Wall. Sheeran and House Targaryen don't yeah. join their banners. Yeah, well, I guess they needed a singer, so apparently he's friends with a lot of the actors or something. But that is an example of all the details that were that were in this show. Even the conversation that John had with um, with his crew and how Lady Mormont, you know, checked that guy. I mean, there was so many so many small details and, and storylines going that it seemed longer than sixty minutes. Yeah, awesome. I don't know. They always they always seem too short for me, but it's only because I want more, you know. Right, I'm always yeah. at the end. Yeah wanting more and that's true. the sign of a good show okay true yeah so our first segment is going to be drop the mic game over segment and uh, i think that this episode had about four drop the mic moments my four drop the mic moments were of course the code open when aria after For she sure. yes and her but it was her walk that closed that out the second for me, and I'm going to ask you for your for your drop the mic moments. With Lady Mormont checking that guy, her drop the mic moment would have been actually it was a uh, Clegane. How Clegane had to overcome his fear of fire, the and hound. he is yeah the hound. He's becoming like some believer now in this. Right? Yeah. Like what, what's thing. the point? Well, he's on the precipice of some believing something, but he saw something. He had a vision. What's the point of Melisandre now that we have the Hound? <laughs> I mean, right. he can see, he can see well, more than her, apparently. He barely even had to try. Well, we've always had red priests all around this universe that have been a lot more successful than her. You know, Thoros, we've seen multiple times. We've seen the True. Uh, over in Essos. Right, but she's the only one that has sort of had these prophetic visions, yeah. you know. So, Dre, what were your top four scenes? Top four? I mean... I obviously have to start with the cold open. Arya is as uh, Walder Frey. Just drop at the mic. Tell them the North remembers. Tell them winter came for House Frey. And that is literally a drop the mic moment. There's trying to think of other moments in this show that was just I'm getting like chills just thinking about that. <laughs> payback is for real. We're here now. We're here to assert ourselves. You know, essentially House Frey has been destroyed. I don't know what will happen, but... 
you know, yeah. I could see the north just coming in or, you know, the remnants of the Riverlands just coming in and just taking that area back. Second, um, to me, the most emotional moment, like that was a really big motion, but the most emotional moment was the young Umber and the young Karstock um, bending the knee and field to you to John Stark. The Well, now he's not called John Stark yet. John Snow, the king of the north. And uh, one thing I found really interesting is the young Umber, his name is Ned Ned Umber, right. and he asks mm-hmm. Ned oh. to bend the knee, and he does in fealty. And that, to me, was just a really emotional moment. I was just like, wow, this is coming for full circle here. The North is really coming back together again. So are they the heads of those houses now? Is that kind of all they have left in those houses, these two kids? It's hard to say. May, they may have an elder in that house that has been deposed because of their disloyalty. That's what I, If there was somebody older... Uh, they've been disloyed and been deposed or, mm. you know, been punished right. or lost in battle or whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could have fallen at the hands of the Knights of the Vale. But they, they did also not really have any other choice. I mean, who else are they right. going to side with now? I mean, they were with the Boltons and the Boltons are now that the Boltons are gone. Like, what's their other option? Really, right. it's kind of like bend the knee to Jon Snow with the rest of the North. Or... To see in the future whether they would actually continue to be faithful to that promise. They'll have people in their castles in their lands saying hey your older brother your father was murdered by the starks you know why do you show fealty to them so that that'll always be there a third drop the mic moment to me the brotherhood without banners the hound thoros they're at the fire the the hound sees that vision he sees the vision of the army of the dead coming over the mountain of the castle at the uh, at the sea and just sees the thousands thousands of them just and just to see the fear on his face but yet the the conviction on his face that to me was just crazy and then the third one i mean the fourth one I, it's hard to categorize it as fourth but just seeing daenerys stand on dragonstone and hold that sand just realize all the history of her family her family seat that has been there hasn't been a targaryen there in decades it's the place she was born and it's empty and mm-hmm. you know shall we begin that was just like amazing right that kind of surprised me that it was empty i was kind of curious about that because you'd think that yeah. someone would have claimed it I right mean, this is a mighty castle obviously there's still bannermen to that area although i suppose they were all once they the targaryens Stannis, left right? they all went right they all went with Stannis, so maybe there really aren't anyone there besides women and children who knows i guess we'll find out in the next few episodes with daenerys being there i was a little surprised at its emptiness i was kind of hoping there would be like villagers or something but right yeah that is weird or or just another another noble family came to claim it at the right exactly proclamation of the red you know of the iron throne the iron throne would have said hey you know we proclaim this family now rules over dragonstone nobody ever said that but that see that's one of the details that cersei in her just in her arrogance just neglects exactly things like that putting the families in these uh major strongholds holds just leaves these big castles vulnerable to a daenerys coming in and just taking it and you know launching her operations from there towards towards the west maybe melisandre burned them all (laughs) <laughs> I mean, she was there before. So, you never know. <laughs> so what are yours, Dio? Uh, all right. Well, I mean, if I, if I had to choose drop the mic moments, it would probably be 
same lines as all of your guys. See, obviously, the opening scene with Arya. Uh, big one for me was the fact that apparently giants are White Walkers now. So that's yes, gonna be, yes, that's going to be fun. I wouldn't say this was a specific scene, but something that did take me by surprise was Sansa. Uh, just the change in her, the way she talks to to Littlefinger. She's really just become kind of her own sharp-tongued person and it was just interesting to see the difference between her and you know the beaten submissive Sansa that was in the last season although they did show her getting stronger towards the end of the last season but it's just kind of interesting to see her now like really standing her own ground with her brother and and all that so that was kind of cool to see my favorite scene even though this isn't really a drop the mic moment but my I just Mm -hmm. it was my favorite scene of the whole episode was the one with Arya in the Riverlands with the Lannister army because one of my big gripes with the show thus far has been that they've never humanized any of the supposed quote-unquote evil army bannermen and almost every right. scene that involves Arya traveling in the in the riverlands it's like every everyone that they come upon wants to kill them it almost reached a point where it was like all right come on like really you can't travel right. safely you know anyone you run into on a horse is going to try to rob you and kill you there's got to be some good people so i thought it was really cool that they showed finally some people out there are safe and they decided to show that with Lannister uh, Bannerman too, which was pretty cool. I mean, it sounds I like think, it's, I'm sorry. It sounds like you in a writing room, DL, because you're 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 completely right. I never thought about that, but yeah. now that you bring it up, that's but a great point. Don't you think those Lannister infantrymen were actually showing the arrogance of the House Lannister? They were just sitting there, kind of relaxed, their guard down. You know, someone on a horse approaches them without any. Uh, without them even standing up to look and drawing swords and say who goes there or anything like that. And then they yeah. sit with her, which is great, which is great. Like, I like that they're being friendly. But then she explicitly says she is going to kill the queen. And I believe well, her. Well, we believe her because we've seen her in action, but obviously they don't believe her. But the arrogance that they can just assume that she's just this little girl and they, that she doesn't matter. And to me, that just like showed the arrogance and just the the haughtiness of House Lannister and the way that these soldiers are trained. I don't know. I I didn't really take it that way. I I just saw them as being, you know, no no different than any other uh, army infantrymen that had been sitting around. Like, those easily could have been Stark men a couple seasons ago. You know, when when you're traveling around these contested lands, I don't think you could really be on your guard at all times, 24-7, 365. I do agree it was a little bit strange that she just kind of rode upon them. But it was like a scouting party. Right, well, that's... Yeah, I don't even know what they were doing and almost yeah. they could have been abandoned and just trying to head home on their own or something for all we know i right. agree with you i agree with you Dio, because the dialogue of the of the lannister men were they were talking about their families and home and mm-hmm. I, I don't think they were like the diehard kind of power ranger soldiers that, that they had so and the way that she approached them too was also wasn't threatening she was just like smiling or very she wasn't like she wasn't cautious she was just like hey how you guys doing yeah i i was surprised with her that she thought it was safe enough to walk up to these guys i mean these are men and she's still no matter how great of an assassin she is right now she's i mean that's like six she's... grown men and she just walked up to them and decided it was safe to join them i i was a little bit yeah. scared for her in that moment um prior to that scene every other scene of her coming upon people has been people bad people so i really thought that was going to turn 
that was going to go awry when she went up to them. So I was kind of pleased that it turned into that sort Actually, of scene. I was, that I was kind of them. assuming it'd be a bloodbath and she would just slaughter them all. Yeah, me but too. I <laughs> same that thing. But I will say this, right, though. Here we go. That's, that scene, because it was at the beginning of the series, it made me wonder if they were trying to get me to really like Arya so they could kill her off. It crushed my feelings. Well, <laughs> the more and more the show goes on, the more I kind of think that it might end that way. Because I, I sort of see her as an unredeemable character at this point. I'm not yes. sure if she has any anything left in her besides revenge and uh-huh. yearning to sort of, uh, you know, get back at the people that have wronged her. She yes. doesn't really have any love in her anymore. So I kind of think, in ter- if I had to put people in lists of people I think will make it and people I think will not make it, I don't know. She's kind of iffy for me. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she sees a lot of her list through but then ends up getting so coming getting to shot. the same list. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, how about juxtapose that against the Hound? The Hound has made the opposite transformation, it seems, though, right? Yes. Like, yes. Arya and the Hound spend possibly, we can't tell in the timeline, but months, if not years together. And, yeah. They traveled, uh, they traveled you know, over they, a thousand they've, they've miles, diver- according yeah, to the diverted uh, courses. They diverted courses. Now, he's the one. He felt guilty. This was the family that he had left for dead, and he comes to find them dead and he just is seems to be overcome by guilt by it and uh you know he buries them tries to give them a proper burial it's just amazing how these characters have just changed over time and you know have just essentially flip-flop position yeah i also think it's kind of cool that he well he he was never a main character until recently he in the first couple seasons was just a side character uh, the right Hound, he was uh, part Joffrey's, of you know yeah, part of and so he was, right. it's int- right it's interesting now that he's he's now become one of the characters that has his own storyline that they're following along with and yeah i mean he might have had more screen time than anyone on this episode now that i think about it but to me though you're kind of well i don't want to say that i want to say that in my world he was always a main character because he, to me, he seemed to be indestructible and he had mm-hmm. a quality that was, that was like, he was almost like a superhero and I'm so, I, that's just how I felt about him. And I've always really enjoyed him from the very beginning. And so to me, this is just a, a continuation of what they started back at King's Landing with him. So, so that he's the opposite us- now of his brother, too. His brother is less than oh, human. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but that leads me to the second segment is, where are our main players? And I want to... We, we just discussed Arya. And I wanted to go back into Sansa a little bit more and, and ask you, DK, what do you see of Sansa's relationship with her brother? And do you view it as an asset or a detriment to her position? position towards him and her counsel. I think it's an asset because I think John has been out of the loop for a while with what's going on down south and like Sansa said in this episode which I thought was really interesting. She said she learned a lot from Cersei mm-hmm. and she you know, John, John was just up at the wall and yeah, he's dealing with the, the White Walkers and everything that's been going on up there. But I don't think he's seen firsthand the manipulation of the Lannisters and right. he doesn't really know who he's up against. Sansa has a way better, clearer idea of who they're up against. She was the one who actually had the right. She, If he had listened to her with the whole Ramsey thing, uh-huh. they, if he if he had not listened to her, they were going to they were going to die. They, yeah. She was the one who, who had it right that they needed to get more, you know, get the veil involved. And she's the one who saved them there. And I think the same thing is going to happen with uh, dealing with Cersei and the Lannisters. She has a bit a way clearer idea of what how they think 
and therefore I think she's going to be an asset to him. And I think I, he needs to take her a little bit more seriously. I agree with that. A lot of that, like she has that political sense because she spent so much yes. time in King's Landing and, you know, she was essentially a prisoner there for so long. But if I could offer the opposing viewpoint is John is King of the North. He's been proclaimed King of the North. He's accepted. He is tasked with ruling and leading and and guiding this this operation this motley crew and in those scenes where she is giving her input in a very public way in front of the entire north leadership and he's just kind of like reeling from it it's like wait these are things we should you know those things seem to be things that should be discussed in private and then once you come out before the entirety of the leadership that you're at you're of one accord even if you disagreed Right. Yeah, I agree. Point, you should be of one accord, and mm-hmm. you know that created some some made John seem weak. He seemed yes. like, you know, who's really in charge here? Who's really ruling? Is is John in charge or is Sansa in charge? And it gave opportunity, don't you think, for Littlefinger to think, hey, this is this is some place that I can exploit here. I could use this yes. for my own exactly my own, uh, from, to my own advantage and so I think that could be a detriment to John. DL you are totally correct that John is very naive when it comes to politics Sansa knows what Cersei is thinking you are so correct and when you said that she you know she she knows how she knows how to maneuver in this new world that, that we're living in mm-hmm. but Addressing what you were saying, JK, about the her kind of challenging him in front of people, I think that she sharpened him and made him made him sharper and everyone respected him for how he responded because she said, Will not these people be punished for their treason? And he responded, Treason is punishable by death, and they died. Yeah. And everyone kind of responded to that, well, okay, he is right. And He's strong enough to put her down and, and put her in her place in front of everyone. And yeah. I think that I think that not only did the his houses respond, but I think the guy, the um the wildling guy responded further too. It was like, I'll go, you know, I'll I'll follow you. You're my king now also. Tormund. Yeah. Tormund. Tormund. Yeah. Tormund, yeah. Uh-huh. By the way, I loved the, the scene guy. with him and Brienne. That was great. I know. I, oh man. Oh, we, by the way, everybody has been shipping that relationship. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that I I see both where where you were coming from, Dre, and also where yeah. you're coming from, John. I I agree. You know, yes, his response was was great, and he kind of put her right at her place. But I also agree with Dre that it was kind of ballsy of her to say, you know, to say that to bring that up. So you're not going to reward your, uh, you know, your supporters and punish your your traitors, you know, that was right, sort of emasculating. Right. right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely clear-cut friction between them, and I 100% agree with you that Littlefinger is going to he use that you. and exploit Absolutely. it. Yeah. He looked so pleased when that happened. He just had that stupid little smile on his face, and you know that he's planning something. Yeah, yeah. yes. Okay, so now, the next question is this. I really oh, want to go, yeah, I really want to go into Cersei, because I believe mm. that... Oh, yes. Cersei's character was elevated. It reminded me of another performance of one of the greatest movies ever made, and that was The Godfather. And Cersei is now Michael Corleone. So he's so, turned, he's turned from good. I mean, but Michael started as good. He was a Marine, and then he turned, you know, quote unquote bad. Was Cersei ever good? Well, no. Cersei was never was good, but Cersei listened to her father as Michael did. 
and now no, he is. She has taken the full reins. Yeah. For for some reason. Even, I see what you're saying. Yeah. For some reason, even though we're supposed to see her as oh she's received she's finally achieved ultimate power, you know this is what she wanted from the beginning. For some reason, like there was something about seeing her in King's Landing, just her and Jamie now literally the only characters that we we know that are in King's Landing that yeah. made them seem weak to me. The fact that everyone's yeah. gone now, you know, there's no more liveliness in King's Landing. It's like, That's what do exactly they have? That's exactly what Jamie you know? is trying to tell her. I right, just sorry. almost I, felt bad for them, you know? They I just seem so pathetic yeah. there. Like, there's yeah. no one that's fighting with them anymore. They have screwed themselves over. Uh, Euron, like, this yeah, is what Euron, this is what they're re- resorting to. Euron, yeah, Euron Greyjoy. Who killed his brother to become yeah. king. One of the best lines of the season was, or the episode was, you're not Lord of Seven Kingdoms, three at the most. Three right. at the most. Yeah, that was good. I wrote that down. <laughs> that was he said good. he looked like the losing side. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice so that Cersei... Cersei said something interesting that kind of shocked me. He, uh, you know, Jamie brought up Tommen, Tommen's death, and she said that Tommen betrayed us. I know. Well, I think Isn't this that is awful? her defense. This is her defense me- mechanism for dealing with his death. Is trying to make it like, oh well, he betrayed us anyway. He uh, with he, Marjorie. He put Tommen in the same group as Marjorie and the Starks and Sansa yeah. and everyone else. That's right. how far gone she is. Right, that was a little bit sad to hear, but well, what I didn't understand when she said is ours, we just have to take it. I'm like, well, that means it's not yours. <laughs> yeah, like what? What exactly is yours right now? Casterly Rock. That's it. Right. It's, it's just kind of sad. I don't know. It's just like uh, I don't know. I just enjoyed seeing the Lannisters with all their power for every season up until now, and it just kind of makes mm. me sad. Even though I, even though they're the quote unquote evil ones, and we we want the the Starks to prevail and them to lose, it was just kind of sad to see them with nobody i don't know wow you're right you know that's a good point Dio. because yeah because it seemed like king's landing is not the not the great capital once was it's more like i don't know almost it's almost like the isolated it's almost almost like iron islands (laughs) right no it it really is there and then all the all the brightness is gone you know you feel sunny and i really hate having to say this because this is not what i want to happen but we all know that one of her brothers is one of Cersei's brothers is going to kill her because of the prophecy, right? Okay, we don't really know which one. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, it has to be Jaime." A lot of people are like, "Oh, it's going to be Tyrion when he comes to King, King's Landing." We don't really know, but I my theory is that Cersei is going to kill Brienne somehow, and that is going to be kind of the last straw, and that's going to cause Jaime to to kill her. That's a great theory. Because there's nothing really left for Brienne's storyline, as much as I love her as a character. But you, why have they built up this whole relationship between her and Jamie thus far to not use it for some reason, you know? Yeah. I think there's going to wow. be something. That would be the perfect sort of, yeah. you know, reason for him to finally be like, you know what? I've had enough of you. Um, you know, I always saw Brienne as kind of the balance to, you know, to balance out Littlefinger. And uh-huh. you know, in San- other Sansa's other ear, but that totally makes sense. Like, this needs to come to completion somehow. You know, it's, you know our, she represents like Sansa. She represents her mother. Well, now that and now that she's a, she's the oath has been, you know, fulfilled that she made to to Sansa and to the Starks. So, in terms of what she really has left for her, the only thing is her relationship with Jamie, and that has to, you know, so, something has to happen with it with 
some, they're going to do something with it. And I think that would be sort of the perfect ending to their relationship. So fuel to to want to murder Cersei. I'm tired of you guys trying to kill my girl off, man. I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't, agree with that. I don't want I, this to happen. But. I personally think Arya is going to kill Cersei. That's just I don't. I mean, but my theory isn't nearly as developed as yours. I just think Arya really wants to do it. She's going to kill everybody on her list, and it's no, going to happen. No, not with the. I mean, with the the whole Valonqar prophecy. When Cersei was young and she went to the witch, who right. told her that she would have three children that would all die. Did that they even bring up the name of the brother. prophecy in the show? Or did you pull that? I don't think, I don't think there is a, a a name for the prophecy necessarily. It's just kind of you know you know about, about if you read the book and then made a scene for it in the show. So yeah. I think Arya's going to come close to killing her, but that would be too obvious for Arya to kill her. I think that Arya will probably die by Cersei's hand for some reason, but I don't think that Jaime will kill Cersei. I think Tyrion is going to kill Cersei because he seems to be the family's counterweight to to bring in justice for everybody. The way because you know Jaime killed, of course, is I mean not Jaime, Tyrion killed his father, and you know, yeah, could be so. Uh, but I think Brianna's storyline is going to be right next to Jon Stark. And that as, as he progresses, she's going to be his protector. Oh, for some reason, I just see her as being a sacrificable character this season. Uh-uh. No. no. Not my <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's no one that I want to die. But, I mean, you have right. to lose some good people. And I think some of these good, quote-unquote, you know, good moral side characters are going to be the ones on the chopping block. Um, so that's what we got to check in with, which I, I ha- first have to say that every time I see her come on screen, my heart starts to flutter is... uh. Daenerys Stormborn. <laughs> um, the whole scene was, yeah, breaker of everything. The whole scene was <laughs> was was shot so well because no one said anything. It was like silence. Right. There was no word spoken spoken during that whole scene. Did you notice how Masande held back Grey Worm? Grey Worm was, you know, in his protect mode, and he was gonna walk right. up there with her. And Masande was like, "No, this is her. Mode. Yeah, she was let like, her. You stay her back now. There. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was nice." I mean, this is probably. I'm surprised we actually haven't didn't talk about this scene earlier because this is probably the most important thing that's happened in the whole show up until now. It's got to be this, you know. She's the finally whole, all six seasons plus one episode has been leading up to that moment. She has arrived right. in Westeros. Right. It's almost it almost seems sacred. It almost seemed like, you know, they're returning to. It's, it was almost a religious experience for her. That was the, mm-hmm. the what I got from it. It was just like. All right. And, you know, her, her words, shall we begin, you know, all that entails, you know, you know, we saw all those scenes with Stannis making plans in that room with the red woman. Mm-hmm. And now that's the room that she's going to plan her attack from and plan her, mm-hmm. her yeah. dominance over Westeros from it. That, that was exciting. All right. Yeah, it's just a, a big uh, mystery, really. She's out of all the storylines. It's kind of the most... Uh, mystery with not knowing how hers is going to go you know like what's what's it just it almost seems strange to see her in westeros you know it seems not right (laughs) we haven't seen her in westeros before so what what is going to happen with that you know what exactly are they going to begin how are they going to begin you know I'm just curious to see how this right. plays out. I have a question for both of you. Why do you think they showed, and I forgot the guy who has the scale on his arms. Why do you think Jorah, Jorah Mormont. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can y'all elaborate on that scene and, and where, do you think, where do you think that's going? Well, uh, on that scene, I was just going to back up just a moment before. Gilly, and Sam, and Sam Jr. are in that dorm room, and they're going through the, you know, the illegal books that they have, and they're talking about the dragon glass on Dragonstone. 
and he says John needs to know you know he said it with an exclamation the next scene he's walking down the hall and he you know he doesn't know who Jor is it's just a chance meeting you know has she come yet you know that's what she's asking where you know has she come across the narrow sea and it seemed like Samuel hadn't like kind of no idea what she what he was talking about you know, mm-hmm. it's, he just sounded like yeah, a no, you know, delirious, crazy guy when the thing he just read in that book had direct consequence for what Jorah is talking about. Yeah, that True. was interesting. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his whole purpose being there, Daenerys had ordered him, you need to go find, I order you to, to find a cure to this condition that all Heal into. yourself. Right. right, exactly. And if I were him, it's where where else would you go to find the best, quote unquote, medical care? And, you know, you'd right. go to the Citadel. That's where they have right. all the medical medical books, the best chance of treatment, I suppose. But it doesn't Stannis, seem like he's doing too well. Stannis reference, or they referenced with, with his daughter Shireen how right. they had, they sent maesters from all over, healers, whatever. And obviously they found some way to stop it with Shireen. So maybe there's hope for him you in the Citadel. it has to do with that red red magic with the uh, lord of the lord of the light maybe i guess we'll find out yeah i don't know maybe mel will fall upon him <laughs> melisandre will come upon him and be like let me heal you you know Mello. she may maybe she'll see him in a vision and know that he has some part to play quote unquote and she'll heal him i don't know i hope he gets healed i like his character i'm kind of iffy on it because he I, I i like it but I don't like the decision that, that that he's made throughout the show. Um, I just he he had all he had everything there. He was just he did. Okay, let me back up. Tyrion judged him correctly and said, "If he had trusted you, he would have told you the secret." And I think that that one decision really cost him his life. That's true, but here's the thing: you have to think that in the small council meeting where. Robert Baratheon King decided that he was going to try to murder her. You know, the Master of Whispers was right there. Varys was right there on that meeting. And where does Varys sit now? At her right hand. She's right, right. there as an advisor. So, it's true. you know, it's, it's, almost, it's almost not fair. Like, he has, you know, time and time again, this in this character's history, you know, he was exiled from his homeland. He's exiled from Bear Island. You know, he can't return because, of you know, there's lots of details that go into his background character. Mm-hmm. He can't go back to Barrel Island. He, you know, finds Daenerys and, you know, he can't come back to her. And he came back and saved her life multiple times now. And he still can't come right. back because of this terrible disease. That's really not fair. Yeah, I feel bad for him. He's tried so hard. Yeah, I, I uh, he's not one of my favorite characters on, on the show because I want to like him. He's a little needy. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's you know, here. I guess he's never really maybe because they've never really developed him as a character. Right. It's kind of all all you really know about him is that you know he's her advisor and that he's in love with her. Right. But in terms of his yeah. own interests, I, I don't know. He hasn't really been developed well. But for some reason, I have I feel fondly towards him, and I kind of it might be because you and I were book readers and we we get a little more of that background history. And I, I hate to go back and as like, oh, the books say this, and blah, blah, blah. but no, 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 no. Of, that's, that's why that is one I of those like things that. that the books fill in the details of who these yeah. characters are, where they came from, you know, why he's exiled. Um, well, perhaps you can elaborate on that, so so we all so we all can know because I didn't read the book. Well, correct well, me if I'm wrong, Dan. I don't. Do you remember like he had a wife and. He, 
she kind of left him or she she betrayed him and she was he a made gold some digger. sort of deal with the devil. He made a deal with the devil to make her happy and I don't remember how it, how it worked out, but he was exiled for Yeah. His, uh, he he said that she, you know, she had expensive tastes and she really was just interested in money. So he just kept, you know, trying to buy her things, and buy her things and she was never satisfied and and you know, he kind of let himself become destitute just by trying to please his wife constantly. And so in his, you know, poverty, he, I guess, decided this is a way to make, make myself some money is by selling some guys into slavery. And that, that's right. right. That's how he got caught and that's how he got exiled. So he essentially lost that. his money. He lost his wife. He lost his claim. Uh, so he really has nothing. And uh, I think he realizes that during the whole first few seasons with his storyline with Daenerys and everything, you know, yes, he wants to go home initially, but I think eventually he realizes, what do I have there? You know, like this is my new life and this is the new, you know, my new purpose really. Wow. That is, that, that adds so much color to his character. I was just thinking about his, you know, everything he went through knowing, hearing his background and I can see why um, he made the decisions that he did now. And I find it ironic that he hooked up with someone that was freeing people from slavery, whereas he actually sold some people to slavery. So yeah, I totally forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. So we're going to meet again on Tuesday to kind of go more in depth, I guess, than we yeah. have here so that we can kind of, this is just our first reaction from the show. I loved it myself. It's a lot of detail. Hey, if, I, you know, if we're, if you're talking on social media and you want to continue this conversation with us, we're going to be on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, John, what's your Twitter account? At JFunds1. <laughs> at JFunds1. And I'm uh, at Dre underscore K. And uh, DL? Uh, I am... I have no idea. I don't really use Twitter yet. I need to... <laughs> she is... <laughs> D-Kennis. cut that out. At yeah. D-Kennis. <laughs> and uh, hashtag... <laughs> we have a show. Hashtag... Hashtag Winter is Here Pod. Winter, Winter is Here Pod. P-O-D. I, I'm go. gonna hashtag the heck out of that tonight. So you probably see that somewhere on on, on, on the Twitter lines. That should just be the name of this episode. Hashtag Winter is Here Pod. There you go. <laughs> Drop the mic.